Welcome, travelers. We're aware that your journey was difficult, but prepare to have your questions answered, for you have been granted an audience with the Masters of Modern. And welcome back to the Masters of Modern podcast. I am your host, Ben Bateman. Uh, Alex Kessler is not here. I'm here. I'm talking to you guys right now, the people of the show. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to be back. Um, we've got a lot of fun stuff happening. I have a very special guest next to me, Mr. Michael Grothy. Hi, everyone. Hi. How are you? Doing good. Yeah, exciting. Exciting. So uh, any tips to break Gargadon in modern, says Dylan H. Well, Dylan, if you hold your horses, we will get there. I promise you. We'll be talking about Greater Gargadon today. At length. Today's show, guys, uh, we are going to be talking about what I will probably be playing at Grand Prix Portland, which is uh, next weekend in Oregon, which is where Portland is. And uh, I'm going to be going out there and probably playing a brew, and I'm excited about it. So there'll be a lot of conversation about that, where Modern is right now as a format. That's kind of a thing we're going to be talking about. And uh, as you're watching us do this stream, if you guys need any adjustments on our audio or anything like that, be sure to shout us out because you're hearing us live audio right now through this phone. But uh, actually, the podcast audio is going through these mics, so it's kind of a different setup, and it's you know new audio for us. So hopefully, this is this is great. Michael, how are you? Doing good. I'm uh, you know ready to to be on the show. Awesome, awesome. I talked like 700 words, and you gave me four. This will be a good show. Well, I'm I'm an inexperienced <laughs> podcaster, so I'm, I don't uh, know how inexperienced you are, man. I mean, you play a lot of modern. You've been on the show a bunch of times. Oh, sure, inexperienced podcaster. I know I know magic. I know modern, and that's why I'm here. But uh, as far as filling up space with words, I'm uh, getting used to it. If anybody here is wondering um, who Michael is, just in case you maybe haven't been on the show recently or uh, don't know Michael, Michael's a game designer. Uh, we knew each other the same. We all knew each other from the magic scene. You ran a magic program at a store for a long time. Yep. You design games here at Kesco, the company that we both work, and uh, you're a, a very good magic player. So. Yeah, and I've been helping out uh, producing the podcast, so sometimes you'll see me in the YouTube chat or yelling comments from off screen when Alex forgets a card name. Which is frequently. <laughs> uh, we'll see. We'll see if you mispronounce as many card names as Alex. It seems impossible. I don't think I could do it if I tried. I think he like that's like a thing. I think he acts. He's like an idiot savant now with the show. I think he pretends to make mistakes, but I think he actually you gotta does have a it. brand, right? I think he does it on purpose because I think he knows that I I find it kind of funny and that I'll make fun of him and it'll be good for the show. So that's what I think. It's but, banter. Yeah, it's banter exactly. So anyway, guys, this is the Masters of Modern podcast. We talk about modern here on the show. Um, we have been doing this for like four years now, and uh, this is kind of a an interesting week. A few things have happened. If you want to follow along with the conversation with what we're doing, you can find me personally at Ben Bateman Media. Where can the folks find you? I'm uh, at D-U-D-A-R-D-D on Twitter. I'm not a very active Twitter user, but I'm there. Uh, I'm also on the Masters of Modern Facebook group, um, which is a big group, great place to discuss modern. Um, and I am lurking around there. I tend to be there more often than Twitter. That group is pretty sweet. On Facebook, you can find it. It's got like almost 5,000 people now, so there's a lot of good modern discussion that happens there. Um, but uh, we will be talking today about the banned and restricted announcement that happened this week and the total lack of banned and restricted cards. We will be talking about the state of modern, what I should play at Grand Prix Portland, what you can expect to see out of the format, um, so on and so forth. So in the meantime, guys, um, that's where you can follow us on Twitter. We have the Facebook group. Uh, I say we just jump straight into things. Yeah. So banned and restricted announcement this week, no changes. What are your thoughts? It's interesting. I mean, I saw, you know, like it typically is, there's a lot of people on the magic internet um, thinking that maybe a ban was due. 
you know, uh, maybe ancient stirrings, maybe faithless looting. Mox Opal, luckily, flying under the radar this time around. I didn't hear anybody talking about it. But yeah, I mean, faithless looting and ancient stirrings are the big ones. Uh, I also see always see a lot of calls for unbans, uh, you know, Splinter Twin, which I don't think is particularly realistic, but Stoneforge as well. I mean, in a format like where Modern's at today, Stoneforge is not doing even close to the most egregious things. You know, when I'm putting two hollow ones into play on turn two, your Batter Skull on turn three is not as impressive. Yeah, Batter Skull's like uh, that whole combination of like a sorcery speed turn two card that draws you a card that then like you have to untap, use almost the entire next turn to get it out and then it can just be like we are getting out at instant speed that's not irrelevant you know the decks we see in legacy typically playing stoneforge are like decks that have things to do with their mana on the other person's turn as well but even that like there's just so many of the decks playing cards that would get rid of it like okay just a single colagon's command like kills the stoneforge and takes out the batter skull like right that's like a card that people play that literally just takes it out yeah so i mean that's interesting you know you've got like and a lot of the decks are playing cola guns command i completely agree with you like hollow one okay like flash in your batter skull i'll trade my hollow one for your batter skull and i'll keep playing my game yeah you bought yourself a turn yeah and i mean like you know a lot of the top decks either have a clean answer to it like Coligan's command or uh or like knight of autumn or something and then the the faster decks just can totally not even care about it like hollow one and dredge like dredge is going to have vengevine and a prized amalgam out and just trade their vengevine for your batter skull or um uh like hardened scales affinity is like sure four four lifelink i'll take two hits from that and then just deal you you know 35 damage <laughs> right 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 yeah I, I think it's um my, my opinion on the the lack of bannings was that you know a lot of people have Complained that faithless looting should be banned. That's like that's like that's actually, and I would say that's a recent trend. That's not yeah. like like Opal's been on the table for eighteen months, maybe right? Like people have been talking about that card for almost two years, getting banned. And Ancient Stirrings has been one of the big targets for quite a while now. Kind of since KCI and uh, yeah, the the Amulet Bloom started being really good. Yeah, when Lantern started coming, I'm actually gonna move your mic up slightly. Mm-hmm. Just. And just try to go right there. Yep. Just want to be as clean as possible with this audio. Um, but I do think you know it's a, it's definitely a newer a newer call that people have that that should be banned. I don't really think that it makes modern better. Is the thing right? Like I I don't think I like modern more without faithless looting. I mean it definitely kills some decks. Right. Like I don't think you can play hollow one without faithless looting. Well, I also see some calls that like ancient stirrings and faithless looting being legal and providing the decks that are playing them with like this insane card selection, you know, either digging five cards deep or faithless looting, basically just drawing two cards. Because if you're drawing two cards and you're discarding, you know, uh, a Vengevine and a grave crawler or something, it's like basically like you just drew two cards and you got made mana basically as well. Yeah, like the <laughs> So card- people are calling, I- I've seen some calls to like unban, ponder, preordain. Uh, just because blue being the cantrip color kind of got shafted in the, in the early days of modern. And now that modern, you know, people have kind of figured out how to leverage these other cantrips, maybe ponder and preordain are not even as good. Blue has two like really good cantrips though. Like serum visions is good. And thought scour is like insane. So like, I don't know, like do you really Serum need Visions isn't that good? I mean, you kind of play it cause good. you got to play it. 
but like you, it's not bad enough. Like people don't play sleight of hand. It's not like they play copies five through eight, unless it's like a deck that really sure, needs the dig. It's the best thing we've got, but I wouldn't say that Serum Visions is as good as Faithless Looting or as as Ancient Stirrings. I mean, no question. Like the the, the order of operations with those cards, like the, what is best? I think of all the cards we're talking about, probably the best card is Ponder. Probably the second best card is Faithless Looting, and the third best card is Ancient Stirrings. Right? Yeah. I, think, I guess I would agree with that. You know, maybe preordain jumps into the three slot, but I don't think preordain's that good. Ponder's Ponder's really, really, really good because of its interaction with Fetchlands. Right. You can you can you know do the kind of brainstorm and legacy thing where you look at the three cards, you pick the best one, and then you shuffle the other two so that you have another shot at drawing a good card instead of the the two mediocre cards you saw. Totally. So. That's like kind of my opinion is I think the cantrips were the thing that people were talking about the most. Um, I mean, there have been talks that KCI, right? Like that's, that's been a p- thing people have talked about. Um, and, and I don't think the calls for humans bannings have been as, as prominent as they once were. That deck is yeah, really Well, it's good. funny. Humans is now kind of like the police of the format. It, it, for a while, people were just tired of playing against humans. And now it's kind of like they're the ones keeping the combo decks in check. <laughs> well, I mean, like humans is a really interesting deck because the combination of it's basically three cards, right? It's like it's like Meddling Mage, Reflector Mage, and Kitesell Freebooter, and the interaction that those three cards have, the way that they interact the board, because the rest of the cards in the deck basically... Actually, Thalia, but that's like just a Hate Bears card. But those other three cards, they're like, what make it so that people can't just kill you or race you or get around you? Yeah. But all the cards in Humans, and Thalia included, just make it so hard for other game plans to happen, chained together so well. Right, and you have a fast clock on top of all of it. Yeah, I mean, humans is really interesting. Um, you, we we definitely seen an uptick in banned spirits. You know, another Aether Vile creature deck. That's like definitely been a thing that's happening. Um, I hear a lot of people. You know, for a while, spirits was bad. Humans. Now I hear some people saying that humans is bad spirits. <laughs> what do you yeah. think about that? Um, I mean, okay. So, but as long as we're sticking with the conversation of like bannings, there's no card in either deck that I really think deserves a banning. Right? They're like, I think they're both interesting and good for exactly what they are. Like the differences being there. With spirits, you get spell queller, which is really, really, really good, and and has like a particularly interesting interaction with a lot of the format. Um, you know, an evasive flyer that can also get in the way of your opponent making their game plan work. A relevant creature type, you know, gets pumped by uh, the I'm supreme phantom here, yeah. <laughs> and drug skull captain. I mean, yeah, like obviously playing playing a drug skull captain off of like a vile. And then having a three-four flash that like counters a spell, you can you can flash out of that that gets around bolt. Is and you really can use Cavern of Souls mana to cast spell queller, which is like gonna come out of nowhere for some like blue scapeshift deck or something where they're like, totally. "Haha, I have scapeshift with counter spell up," and you're like, "How about this three-four with uh, can't be countered?" <laughs> it's it's really sweet. It's funny actually looking back on spell queller. I don't even think that that card made my Eldritch Moon top ten. I think that I made the mistake somehow of talking myself out of it because I liked it so much and thinking yeah, it seems like a card that you would like. I remember like it was spoiled and I was like, oh, this card's really sweet. And then I feel like Alex had it as his number one card, and I somehow had like talked myself. Maybe it was like ninth for me, or I don't. I think it might have not made my list because I was like, nah, like I think this card is good, but like. I'm just being biased and like looking back, I was like, what was I thinking? It sounds pretty egregious that that would be ninth on your list. But if you look at Eldritch Moon, 
they're actually a lot of really good cards that, in it that anyway. Deck is so. stacked. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that was really stacked. Yeah. A really, really good deck. Collector Brutality and Liliana, uh, The Last Hope. And, yeah, Brutality is so good. Yeah. Any, any, anytime you can like not pay mana to get effects, that's really good. Yeah. Um, I've heard. So uh, anyway, guys, that's going to be our reaction to the ban and Restricted. Be sure to leave your thoughts below in the comments. Um, you know, Like, subscribe. You're gonna, if you're watching this on YouTube, let us know. Um, do you think there should have been a banning? Are, are you one of these people that thinks that Faithless Looting needs to go? Um, I would like to know. If you are watching this on YouTube, thank you so much for finding us. Please like, subscribe. It means the world for us to keep growing our video audience. We've been strictly audio for so long. Just a few months ago, we launched the YouTube, and it's been growing really nicely, but we do need, if you're finding this, uh, you know, subscribe. It's what helps us keep going. So um, we are going to continue moving through the show. We're going to be talking about GP Portland, um, what I should play, kind of the state of modern, the face of modern be sure to check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash the MMCast. It's uh, what we're using to continue to upgrade the equipment, these new mics we just got because of the Patreon. We want to continue doing really cool stuff. I have a second show that I want to launch on this channel, and we need your help. So patreon.com slash the MMCast. What are you playing in modern right now? You said you built the Arclight Phoenix deck? Yeah, I have, I have the blue-red Arclight Phoenix deck. I haven't gotten a chance to play it. So before that, I was playing uh, Eternal Command uh, in modern, which is the... That deck is so sweet. <laughs> the Teamer Aether Vile Tempo deck... Uh, with Tarmogoyf and Dillian Click. I had a tireless tracker in there, although I might have... It's possible I should have been playing more. I think it's kind of meta-dependent, though. And um, and then you're playing Eternal Witnesses, Snapcasters, and Cryptic Command, so you can like loop them, where you like bounce your Eternal Witness with Cryptic Command, and then vial in the Witness to get back the Cryptic Command, so you can just like counter a spell every turn against a slower deck, or you can tap their creatures down every turn against an aggro deck, uh, and just hit them with the Tarmogoyf while you do that. If I remember correctly, it was a Shouta Yasuka deck? Right, it was yeah from the uh, the world championship. That's what inspired me to get into modern. Actually, was watching him play in the players championship uh, with that deck against. I remember it was like, yeah, I was playing against Brian Kibler, I think, and it was just such a great match that that's what made me want to get into modern. Well, it's just it's just full of so many cool cards. I think I, if I remember correctly, the idea was play as play cryptic command as many times as you can in a game. Right, that's right. It's not as good in modern. Modern like that version of the deck was playing four cryptic command. And like four Snapcaster, three Eternal Witness. Modern's a little bit faster, so you kind of have to shave on those slow cards and playing two Eternal Witness, two Cryptic Command. And you're acting more as a tempo deck. Like Lightning Bolt is kind of a key card in the deck. We're just like playing five bolts over the course of a game through Snapcaster's Eternal Witnesses and such uh, gets there. <laughs> yeah, that's enough. I mean, Lightning Bolt's a really powerful card, and playing five of them is super yeah, sweet. Getting like two hits in with Tarmogoyf and then just like burning them out uh, is what wins me a lot of games with that deck. But I uh, I scrapped it for now because I needed some of the some of the cards, fetch lands and such, for uh, the blue-red Phoenix deck. I've been playing the blue-red deck in standard on Magic Arena um, because Alex was so hyped on the card. I wanted to see, you know, what it was really the real deal when when the set first came out and um it's the real deal so i decided to build a version for modern borrowing alex's arc like phoenixes since he bought so many and uh that's like isn't that card like 25 dollars now it was more for a while i'm not sure what it's at now but i know that it's it's making splashes and standard modern and legacy now every People format to play it in delver yeah i sold i sold eight of mine so yeah so i i borrowed some from alex i'm playing the the blue thing in the ice version because it's hard for me to put my blue cards down but uh <laughs> but uh i'm interested to see uh you know how it plays i haven't gotten a chance to play it yet last week was the holiday so i didn't end up playing any magic but uh this week i'm hoping to play it at fnm so we'll see how it goes yeah i like that deck a lot i had a version uh and i've talked about this a little bit on here already i had an arclight phoenix version that i put together that was teamer um i actually had started with grixis and i toyed with some cool stuff i mean there's some 
there's some fun interactions there. I don't know that I will play an Arclight Phoenix deck. I think it's um, predictable in modern. I have to think about a couple things. Um, you know, I go to Portland next week. I, I get into Seattle on Thursday night, and I'm going to drive to Portland with my older brother because he's who got me into Magic when I was a little kid. Um, he doesn't play modern. He has no idea. I was like, maybe I'll give you a burn deck. But I think, honestly, he like likes to play Magic, but he doesn't play very often. He's never been a competitive player. I don't know that you can just sit down if you're... A, you might be more of a, a side event, you know, check out the artists, check out the vendors type guy. If you're a kitchen table player, like, and you try to sit down at a modern GP, I feel like you might want to just blow your brains out. Like, I feel like you're going to lose all your matches. Just... I don't know. I've, I've had people who go to their first GP and have a really good time. I mean, I think it's more people who, like, tend to, like, play F&M every week. So they're, like, kind of in the scene. And I think it's a little bit easier for them to get what they expect. But going kitchen table straight to a GP, maybe it's a little tougher. Yeah, I mean, I still might because it's like, you know, side events are sweet, but it'd be more fun to obviously have him in the main event. So I might just build him burn and just be like, this is how your deck works. It's pretty simple. Here's the things that in modern that are really important. When you crack this, when you pay a life for this, most of the time you'll put this in untapped. This is the first land you get. This is the second land. The reason the green is in here is because this card gets rid of artifacts and enchantments like Leyland of Sanctity that's going to make it so you can't target people. Otherwise... Each spell does basically three damage. <laughs> yeah. Play your creatures on turn one. You can pretty much mull anything. Like, you know, like I, I think you could explain that deck in about three yeah, minutes. You wanna you wanna put their life total from twenty to zero as fast as possible. Just spend your mana every turn and that's it. <laughs> Remember the cards that are instants are reactive and especially important because, you know, things like life gain spells and like, yeah. you know. They, I, I, I mean, I don't mean to diminish burn players. There's definitely more to it than that. But as far as like you know, the difference between somebody first picking up the deck and like a great burn player, I think it's a little bit easier to bridge that gap than like a lot of decks in modern where like you need to know specific interactions, triggered abilities and such like, you know, having him pick up dredge and forgetting prize amalgam triggers and stuff would be awful. <laughs> That's like impossible. Like if you're not somebody who plays a lot of magic, let alone a format as complex as modern, yeah. like there's no way you're pick- like, I'm not going to hand him dredge or KCI. Like, right, Hey, right. just do this. Like, right. Even like I would struggle to to just pick one of those decks up and actually play well. I would make a lot of mistakes. Right. So then I have to start thinking about you know what do I want to do because like you guys know me, my style is usually to play a brew. Um, I'm pretty aware of what's going on in the format and I've thought a lot about the weak points and and what is really good. Um, you know. So are you trying to stay away from graveyard decks right now? Is that well, the reason you're not on ArcLight Phoenix? Because it seems like there's a lot of rest in peace. So there was an article on Channel Fireball this week I think that was advocating for uh, rest in peace in the main deck of blue white because even decks that aren't using their graveyard a lot are using it enough to the point where rest in peace isn't totally dead. And, you know, if you think that more than 50% of the meta is going to be using their graveyard in some way or another, might as well have it in the main and board it out. Yeah, I was, I was thinking about, like, is there some sort of brew you could come up with that main decks like main decks like uh ley lines like multiple ley lines in the main deck and uses Nykthos? Like, could you play... Ley line of Sanctity, right? Not Void? Well... I mean, it depends because, like, oh, obviously, oh. <laughs> Leon of the Void is obviously really good in modern right now. It's really good against half of the good decks. Um, oh, here we go. Oh, I think I know what Craig would play at GP Portland if Long he was gone. Yeah, we've got an Infect player here behind us. Yeah, what's well, up, Craig? How you doing? There's going to be a lot of great <laughs> Infect uh, innovation now, actually, now that Tom Ross is back on the competitive scene. I hope so. He's, he's an Infect pioneer, and he was playing it at the last SCG event. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Um, so... So yeah, I think I think like there, you know, there's a possibility that playing a, a main deck leyline deck. I was trying to like maybe it's not like a Nykthos deck, but maybe you play like a Nykthos or two. But yeah, I mean, it just depends. Like trying to figure out how do you get around those like 
the early things people are doing in modern and then have a way to still win, you know? And, and the problem is a lot of the things that are really, really interactive with people's a plan. So let's just say getting a chalice down on one, let's say land destruction, heavy hand disruption. Modern is such a dense format when it comes to one drops interaction on turn one, fast clocks, combos, decks that are full of incredibly powerful cards somebody can just beat you top decking. So if you get rid of their hand, it doesn't matter, right? Somebody can beat you with two lands if you have a really Sometimes strong... Sometimes the like, noble hierarch or aether vial that they played on turn one is just going to beat you even if you have thought season. It's going to be enough, right? Like, so, so, and, you know, like, you know, chalice on one, like something like that, you know, really, really powerful, but like, it's not good against every deck. And if you don't get your chalice on one, it's really bad mid game. So you have to be less reactive. You have to be more proactive. This is a lesson most people have learned in modern and right. It's why the format is sort of so linear and a lot of people complain about it. So when you're trying to come up with a brew, um, something that's to attack the format on like an interesting axis, you have to think about which of those am I going to use? And then how am I going to end the game quick enough to make that work for me? And I have a history of coming up with decks like this that are cool, but a little under, a little underpowered. And I don't know that in a week, any of the ideas that I've come up with over the last little while are good enough to get me there. I mean, there are things that I think are really, really cool. Definitely. You know, I think like you'd be testing some stuff this week. I mean, maybe like in, on, on moto, you know, I, I had a deck at one point that I was playing on moto that I thought was pretty cool. And I, I thought it was close, right. But I wasn't quite there with it. And it was this four color deck with tide hollow sculler, um, greater Gargadon, Sahili and Felder guardian. Oh boy. Somebody in the, in the chat asked about greater Gargadon yeah. before we uh, started recording. Yeah. <laughs> and, and like, I, I actually played it on moto a bit. Um, now I was using wellsprings to get like a lot of value. Cause like having a Gargadon on one and a wellspring on two and then like Sahili on three, you like make a copy and you sack the copy to get all the value and that's fine. But getting extra lands, drawing extra cards or making extra servo tokens, with like a servo schematic is not really good enough. The idea for me was that like turn one Gargadon, turn two Sculler, turn three Sahili, make a copy of Sculler, sack Sculler to Gargadon with trigger on stack of token. I thought was pretty cool. That was like a really interesting one, two, three. And I was trying to basically work around that, right? And how you can like the Felidar Guardian obviously was bouncing the Wellsprings, getting more value out of them. So you were kind of doing that. And you can kind of reset your sculler too. I mean, yeah, yeah, totally. if you like take something in the early game that that is like you take an early creature or something, and then later on you have a removal spell, you can just kind of blink your sculler and let them have the creature because it's not relevant at that point anymore. And I was playing this um, with Tezzerets. I was like, you know, Sahili's and Tezzerets. Like, that's kind of which, which four mana, Agent of Bolas. Got it, got it. Because, again, the Wellsprings to become five fives. I think the trick to this deck, if I was going to actually try to play it, would be probably coming up with something better than Wellsprings to be doing. I think the rest of the deck is pretty powerful. Like, you have the Sahili combo in the deck. You know, you have Gargadon, which is a really powerful card. Another trick with this, and I've talked about this before in here, but Sahili and Gargadon play really well together because... If you count up what's on the board and you've seen their hand with your scholars, you basically can go, okay, wait a minute. I've got a Gargadon with six. I've got a Sahili in hand. I can literally play Sahili, sack all my permanents, put a Gargadon to play with haste, copy it with Sahili, swing for 18. And that's like a pretty clever way to win. And that's like a line that sounds like something that you have to do to win in modern. You know, like a lot of times these decks are going so big nowadays and they're doing it fast. You know, they're attacking with like tons of Vengevines and Bloodgas or they're attacking with, you know, two hollow ones, a Phoenix and a Grimag Angler or they're attacking with like a, you know, 37, 37 out of Hardened Scales or something. (laughs) And so I was trying to figure that one out, right? Like, is there some... 
is there something there? Uh, and I've, I've wanted to go back and revisit that deck because you know you have your hand disruption with Scholar. That what you really need to figure out with that deck is like how how are you dealing with graveyards? A are you dealing with graveyards in a way that you can get repeatable blink value? That's like the, that's the missing piece, right? Is there an artifact that when you play it, you cast it, it draws you a card and exiles their graveyard, right? Probably not. Like that's that's kind of uh, that's kind of what's missing. And so I, I might I might look at that and figure out if there's some way I can do that. Another deck that I liked a lot, and I actually played some games with this last week, was this mono blue um, mono blue fairies deck, which I was inspired to build. With our lovely Ultimate Master spoiler card, Disrupting Shoal, that's behind me here. Um, and it's a deck that's playing like 16 creatures. You played against me. I was playing this a little bit. Mm-hmm. I saw this deck. It's, it's kind of funny. It's four Aether Vial um, with four of, uh, what, like four Zephyr Sprite, four um, Fairy Miscreant. That's the one that when you play it, if you've played another Fairy Miscreant, it enters the battlefield, you draw a card. You get four spells that are sprite, a couple scion of Unas, Vendillion clicks, and then Curious Obsession, and then a bunch of soft counter magic. And the idea with the deck is if you can get out early with a fairy on turn one, they don't realize what's happening, and you resolve like a Curious Obsession with like disrupting Shoal backup, you just might get there. Like they might waste their own yeah. removal spell, and you're attacking with a 2 2 that draws you a card every turn. I mean, watching you play this deck, I felt like, you know, because modern is so powerful that like, your cards were fairly low impact right. because you're playing a bunch of one ones. And even if these one ones are like getting you value, you're like playing a one, one drawing another one, one like playing one, one drawing a spell pierce, but now your opponent has five lands out and you're like hitting them every turn with your creatures and like drawing a bunch of cards. But it just felt like eventually your opponent would top deck something that you couldn't counter like a Coligan's command or a Snapcaster or something. And it was just so high impact versus your cards that it was basically like they were like four for wanting you off their one draw step and it was it was kind of rough i I feel like you need a way to close the game like a sword of fire and ice or something maybe honestly because it wants so many blue cards because of the disrupting shoals they're such a key part of the deck i was thinking like you know is there (laughs) should you just be playing like the four curious obsessions and like four unstable mutations and that's enough like on Unstable mutation, mutation, geez. Now we're really getting into Ultimate Masters uh, limited territory. I mean, it does, <laughs> right? It's it's. For those of you who don't remember, it's an aura for one blue uh, enchanted creature gets plus three plus three, and you put a minus one minus one counter during upkeep. But like the point is, it's basically blue lightning bolt if you can get it on a flyer that they can't block. And blue lightning bolt. Do you think you would play psionic blast? I love that card. And I've thought about it. And the best reason you would play psionic blast is that it's a three drop. So you have the ability to counter like Liliana's and other things that are good, like mantis riders and whatnot. Golgan's command. Golgan's command. Yeah. It's like a, so, and it's a nice closer. I think you'd maybe play two. Um, the, the trick with the deck is you just, you have to be able to resolve either like vile with creatures in hand. It just, it just doesn't catch up fast enough. That's the point. And then I played, I played some games. I beat humans a couple times with it. Um, yeah, I just, I saw in some of your games, you would get ahead, but you just couldn't, weren't closing out the game fast enough. You were attacking them with like two one ones and a scion of Una for like six or something, a turn. And it was just like a little bit too slow, giving too much time to draw out of it, you know? Totally. And yeah, it was a, it was a fun idea. Um, it feels less powerful than the other deck because the other deck has a combo finish. Now, the third idea would be to go back to playing Kessel Run, the deck that I took to Vegas. I really enjoyed that. It was an Alex Kessler brew that I added about a dozen cards to. It's basically a Grix or a uh, Jeskai control deck with like the Sahili cat combo and also the angel um, Kiki combo. 
it's really reliant on the Wall angel. Of Omens too, right? Yeah, it's like it's like kind of like a, just like a Jeskai blink deck that was playing, you know, Restos and this is a couple copies of Teferi, a couple Jaces, and then it had like it had the combo built into it. And it's a powerful deck. I mean, it's playing a lot of really good cards. You can just win as a control deck, but it also has the combo. Um, you know, and Sahili's really good in that deck because it makes copies of a lot of things. It bounces a lot of things. Like, there's a lot of really cool stuff you can do. One of the really interesting parts of the deck that we discovered as I played it was Felidar Guardian and, and Planeswalkers is just, like, really good. Activating a Planeswalker, playing a Guardian, blinking it, and activating it again, like, double to fairy activation in a turn is nuts. Yeah. It's really, really good. So uh, it's possible I take that deck with me just because I know Alex still has it built. I really enjoyed it. I felt like I had some ownership over the idea. I would have to really look at the cards. I think we were playing some some uh, Reflector Mages in the main. Yeah, I, I think I the meta's changed up a little bit since then. Definitely worth double-checking. I think we would have to have a better plan against Graveyards. We'd have to have something we were doing. Um, what's the best? I mean, so there's like Scavenging Ooze is good. You have Nile Spellbomb is really good. You have the best Grave Hate cards? Yeah, Rest in Peace is really good. Leyland of the Void um, is showing up just because, like, if you're a graveyard deck that wants to hate on another graveyard deck. Right. And the format's fast, so starting it with it in play is definitely relevant because it's not like your opponent already has been doing stuff on their turn one. Um, you got a Rest in Peace. It's a great one. Relic of Regenitus is, like, kind of main Classic. deckable because it draws a card. So, like, a lot of the Ancient Stirring decks, you know, not a lot, but the, the ones that have extra mana, like Tron and... Um, and even sometimes Amulet Titan can like play that main deck as something to find with your stirrings. What do you think about Eldrazi Tron right now? The Eldrazi Tron decks that were playing four Relic in the main at one point, that was like part of their part of their whole beat. Um, right? That was those, those were Eldrazi Tron decks. Or am I thinking of am I mixing that up with like the Eldrazi and Taxes decks? Because they uh, would play Well the Eldrazi and Taxes decks were doing that as well. Uh, Tron of any variant has been like off and on kind of playing relics based on the meta. I think right now is the time to be playing relics. Like, I think if you were to play any form of Tron with Ancient Stirrings or not, I think you should just be playing Relics because there's enough graveyard shenanigans that can kill you fast. And if you don't die fast, you'll win the late game because your cards are so powerful. So jumping off of, you know, my fun ideas, we'll get back to them in just a second, guys. The first question I have for you that are watching, that are listening, um, you'll, you'll probably hear this before I go because this will post today's thursday this will probably post tomorrow uh you'll be hearing this on friday the oh you bump in the table on yeah, purpose sorry. no <laughs> this will probably be posting on a friday november 30th um so tweet at me ben bateman media and let me know of the ideas that i talked about on here do any of them sound particularly cool what do you want me to do send them um, some lists yeah, tweet at me and let me know. I'll be sort of spending the next week getting ready for this. Um, I see some lists in chat that are not posting because they're links, but we maybe we'll look at those throughout the week yeah. rather than on the show. But um, Yeah, I'll, I can talk about it and tweet about it. But here's my question, Michael. Like, So first of all, what would you play? If you were going to GP Portland, Like, what deck do you think is the deck to play right now? Like if I wanna if I wanna succeed or if I wanna have a good time because I would I would play my Arclight Phoenix deck I think the Arclight Phoenix is a deck that has legs it has some resilience to graveyard hate post board so one of the the link that somebody posted in chat just now is a is an Arclight Phoenix deck playing four crackling Drake main I think that's like an interesting experiment I don't know if it's the way to go but Wait, I think some number of crackling Drake in the seventy five is a good way to get around grave hate because in modern yeah really. Cards good. Because, because of the way that it interacts with exiled cards. 
Uh, yeah, right. So, like, if you are playing against your opponent who saw that you were on Arclight Phoenix and you, like, comboed him out really quick on turn one, or, you know, not turn one, but on in game one, where you're, like, putting multiple Phoenixes into play and hitting them and they're, like, bolting it and, oh, no, what am I doing? And then they board into Leyline of the Void, right? Well, you're like, okay, fine, Crackling Drake. It can trips. It's huge. It plays great against Leyline of the Void or any other Grave Hate. Um, I think it's, like, an essential sideboard card for a lot of the blue-red Phoenix decks. That's really interesting. Um, a four-drop creature in modern is a rare beast that doesn't happen yeah. very often. But I guess the way that it interacts with those cards in exile makes it particularly interesting. Yeah. You know what card? Uh, speaking of just like sweet three and four-drop creatures that I actually think has a place at some point, and I was considering playing this in that fairy deck, is a uh, Tempest Gin. I think that card's pretty sweet. It's definitely making an impact in standard. Um, it's a surprisingly, like, when you think about that card and you think about just, like, all right, you, even if you're playing a low curve, it's going to come down, right, as a 3-4. It's a 4-toughness? It's 4-toughness, yeah. So it's going to come down, bolt. basically, in modern as a 3-4 flyer for 3. If you go long, that card is not reliant on graveyard. It's going to get big. It's going to keep getting bigger. You can play it in a mono-blue deck that doesn't lose to Blood Moon. It's kind of a good way to mitigate Flood. Like One of the things about the deck in Standard is that you're putting you're playing Curious Obsession, and so you're like there are games where you're like drawing a ton of cards. When you're drawing a ton of cards, you're drawing a ton of lands. And like the Tempest Gin allows you to, like even if you flood out, you're like, well, I'm flooding out, but at least I get a 7-4 out of the deal, you know? <laughs> well, and I, that's what I was thinking. Like I, When I was looking at that deck, like I just was looking at cards I had in a stack, blue cards. Like, what should I put in the sideboard? And I was like, oh, you know what? If I play against a Lightning Bolt deck, like this is a pretty decent card for this deck to bring in. As I said, a 3-drop with, with Disrupting Shoal is interesting. And just like, okay, like that that's pretty good pretty powerful card yeah i mean it seems a little slow but i guess if you're in the market for like mono blue tempo it's probably a, a better three drop than maybe vendillion click even yeah i mean click is pretty killable um but i don't think i'll be playing that mono blue deck anyway i yeah i, I think uh i think arc phoenix is a sweet deck i think other decks in modern like the other big ones pay attention to i mean what are like the top top decks would you say right now it feels like feels like you know dredge is pretty high up uh kci is pretty high up I think humans is still humans and spirits. So I think, I think if I were just like going and I was looking to play like the best deck for the meta or whatever, that also like I thought I would be good at with the style that I play, I think I would play spirits. It's like a, a reactive aether vial deck, which as we discussed earlier is something that I like, but I also think that like it has a strong enough linear game plan to just like kill people. It's not really relying on the graveyard. It's got a good amount of card advantage built in with like a collected company. Um, I just think the deck is really strong. Um, and I think that if I were just to like pick up a new deck to try and win it, uh, that might be the one for me. Maybe I should play Spirits, guys. That actually feels like my deck to a T. That's exactly the kind of magic I like to play. It's got Aethervile and Collect Company. I mean, Vile, Company, being reactive, playing Flyers, countering things. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's definitely, given the amount of Spirits in Modern Magic, there's probably some spicy Ben Bateman twists you could put on it, too. Oh, there's a lot of good Spirits. There's a lot of good Spirits. I feel like one of the best pickups, we've said this on the show before, but... Feels like Selfless Spirit is one of the best pickups I can think of. Oh, you know what? That's speaking of uh, creatures with really good graveyard interaction. Remorseful Cleric. Yeah. That's a good card. Yeah. That's a really, really, really good card. I was trying to figure out like, is there some sort of uh, like Mardu, 
like a Mardu claim fame deck with sweet two drop creatures, like you know your selfless spirits, remorseful clerics, your vexing devils, like four claim fame, just like creatures that you sacrifice for effect that you can get back easily, and then they're flyers so that you have like this this fame back half. So all of a sudden, if you just like do it the right way and they have their pants down, you're getting it for four in the air. Kind now of you're fun, a fan right? of claim fame. Well, it also means that you could play like you could play lingering souls and faithless looting with this deck. So with claim flame, with claim fame, it's like draw discard. Okay, so I can discard a lingering souls as part of my thing, right? Like you probably could even play like rally the peasants in this deck. So it's kind of a like Mardu pyromancer variant with claim fame. Yeah, maybe, and like these and these like two ones that are. Wow, there's nothing wrong with being a Mardu pyromancer variant with claim fame. I know it was something that people tried out when the card first came out. Um, yeah, yeah, Kataki says uh, says James Hansen. It's yeah, a good sideboard card for sure. All of the two drops, just like sweet, sweet two drops. I was thinking like two drops that you get value when you sacrifice them. That like ever like, it feels like remorseful cleric. Like let's just say you just play that on turn two. A lot of the decks in modern they have to deal with that card, otherwise they're not going to beat you. Yeah, you're going to respond to their Vengevine trigger or whatever and blow them out. It seems pretty good, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, wonder- the fact that it like gets in for a few damage and exiles a graveyard makes it like better than rest in peace for like proactive decks a lot of the time i mean obviously rest in peace like continuing over the course of a long game to do its thing is like really powerful but if you're like a more proactive deck that's looking to hit them quickly also great also i wonder like with this with this deck we're talking about now if you are this like mardu deck if you aren't a deck that cares about how many cards you have in your own graveyard like you're not like or sorry you don't care about types or anything like that you could also be like a pretty like angler tassigary kind of deck you could have a couple of those as like your haymakers because if you're going to be like playing faithless looting you're going to be sacking creatures for effect you'll in theory three color deck you'll be filling your graveyard is reveler just better man probably not you're kind of a creature ish yeah i i mean it depends on your build of the deck i think you can make reveler work i think you can make angler work for sure yeah we read the chat during the stream. same deck but. clark lovejoy you're wondering if we read the chat yeah we're, we're listening yeah exactly colton yeah claim fame vexing devil is just a sweet combination i've been wanting to use that for a long time it's really powerful it's a really good combination oh does this deck play risk factor too you could play risk factor it didn't make as much of an impression in modern as a as it looked like it was going to at the beginning of the format which like i guess that's how it is a new set comes out there's cards that are obviously powerful people try them out and i feel like risk factor is one that didn't really get there so remember back when i was working on that um four color goblin electromancer with lingering souls deck so the whole idea i've talked about this deck a bunch but i'll just anybody who's listening or watching for the first time the whole idea of this deck was that you would play electromancer or baral on turn two and then on turn three you would play lingering souls flashback lingering souls so it's you know it's not the most powerful thing but it's pretty good it sets up a turn four win with rally the peasants in hand if you're not messed with um you have to hit all your colors don't you think risk factor in that deck is just straight bonkers Sure, if you are a deck like that, I could see Risk Factor being good, yeah. Like, you're a Lingering Souls deck with cost reducers. You know what deck I think you might like, Ben? Have you seen the Runaway Red decks? I love those decks. I think those decks are super cool. I've actually seen those lists. Yeah, and I- it's, like a, it's like a pretty aggressive, tempo-oriented deck. No islands, obviously. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, it's like an aggressive, tempo-oriented deck that has kind of like this combo gameplay to it where you're like, you know, going off with Runaway Steamkin and 
they used to play Risk Factor. I haven't seen a list in a while. Maybe they are not playing it anymore. But I haven't played one. I've seen the lists. I know, like Sam Black was talking about it. It, it like looks really, really, really fun. Um, I would, I'd seriously consider that deck. But again, if I'm gonna go wacky like that, it feels like I want it to be my own wacky. You makes know? sense. Makes sense. Um, Better to like either take something that's fairly meta and tweak it a little bit, or just like go full four color tide hollow scholar Sahili. <laughs> oh, here he goes. Okay, so a couple comments in the chat. So, um, omg sickness underscore cr says, "Here's a sweet question for you guys. If you ran a gauntlet where you know you'll be facing bant spirits and humans all day, what deck would you run to counter those decks?" Um, for me personally, uh, I probably play blue white control. I think I think Terminus is real good. I think like just having access to lots of spot removal and then Terminus is just powerful. Um, you know, because it's good against everything, but it's also really good against creature decks. It's particularly good against Dredge. Um, I think that's probably the one I would play. I think Jeskai's pretty good too. But I, I think would... I might try and go faster than them. I mean, the decks are definitely aggressive and they have disruptive elements against against combo decks but if you like i might just try and be like hollow one or burn honestly i think like i might just be burn if i was expecting those decks because you can just be faster than them and it's like you know you don't necessarily care about their their disruptive elements because you're just you know burn in their face <laughs> that's fair that's fair um i think uh okay another another question here um sukoto guy says make it jund vexing claim and pelt collector Pelt Collector is an interesting one, right? Like, yeah, so have you seen the Vexing Devil Pelt Collector decks where you get double triggers off Pelt Collector because Vexing Devil comes in and then you get a counter oh, and then it dies and you get another that's counter? That's so sweet. Yeah, there's like Vexing Devil Zoo decks now. Not playing Claim, claim Fame typically, but that's maybe really they should be. That's really good though. Wait, yeah. wait, 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 wait. And because it has to have more power, that's the deal? It's it has like, to have more power, yeah. They don't play, do they play Experiment 1? I think so. So if you were to play this, okay, that's kind of cool. If you were playing Jund... Jund, Claim Fame, whatever, like... Okay, so you have green permanence. Is this a Blood Hollows deck all of a sudden? I was just... You saw where my mind was going! You knew exactly where my mind was going. I was just counting it up. I just thought I have green permanence. I was looking at Blood Hollows. Ugh. You did, like, that That deck... Oh, that was a deck I never actually got to play. Do you remember when I was talking about this? Yeah, it's kind of a nombo with Pot Collector, because you play it and it doesn't pump your collector. But I guess, like, if when it dies, it pumps your collector. I, I was doing a Blood Hollows deck at one point. I think I talked about it on here. I must have. I, we do I'm a sure modern you show. Did. I remember. Well, I remember hearing about it. The whole idea of of Blood Hollows on turn one and Winding Constrictor on turn two and how good that is is so cool. Your Blood Hollows becomes a four four on Winding turn three. Winding is not bad with Puck Collector either. Yeah, maybe you only so. get one pump off it up to a two two, but it puts you at a three three, right? Right. It also means like uh, so. Every time you would put a counter, you put another. Mm -hmm. So it actually just means that the double trigger off of Vexing Devil, you just get once off the first one, and as long as it doesn't happen on the second one. We go one, up to a 3-3 three, three, and then up to a 5-5, five, five, right? It's pretty good. 5-5 five, five Trample, because Puck Collector gets trampled if its power is 4 greater. Yeah, and I think any of these decks that we're talking about, I'm going to have to find room for a disruptive element, otherwise we'll just lose. That's, why I, that's actually why I think, because that's like a straight zoo version we're talking about, that's why I think the Remorseful Cleric version of this deck is really good is like having access to four two ones in your deck that you can play that like nerf the graveyard decks and the ability to, and the and the ability to get them back multiple times is pretty good so let's talk about that for a second so you have remorseful cleric and selfless spirit are the two obvious you know those are kind of aggressive spirits that have like a cool ability when you sacrifice them any other creatures you can think of that you can play a little bit more of like a toolbox thing you know sacrificing them getting them back yeah 
What's up? I just, uh, Jacob Mayer says he just rewatched Top Decking seasons one and two. Hi, Fetal. What's up, man? How you doing? Um, are there any other creatures we can think of that, like, getting them back, you know, or, or like, um, claim, claim faming them? Like, Remorseful Cleric seems like the best one, but, like, creatures that you're gaining life when you sacrifice them that cost two or less. Like, any, you know what I'm saying? You see where my mind's going with this? Yeah. It's like Kasali Pride Mage. You're in a lot of colors now, but. Yeah, you're like Pride Mage is a good one, or uh, or like, I guess Selfless Spirit kinda. But I, I feels like the deck is fairly resilient to rats anyway. You're not you're yeah. not committing a ton of creatures to the board. You have like a couple of creatures that you're hitting them with, and then sacrificing for value. I think you probably play two Selfless Spirits in the main deck of this, just because that's another flyer for two one that like is going to protect whatever el- else you have going on. Especially if you are playing Vexing Devil, and play you're hoping Dark Confidant in this deck because it's all cheap, right? And, and it's probably all cheap. I mean, it's as cheap as possible if you're not playing Bedlam Riddler or Grimming Gangler, that is. But. <laughs> yeah, those are the weird ones. And, and I mean, yeah, Confidant comes back and, you know, off of, off of a claim fame. I mean, I think you'd have to really be figuring out, like, okay, these creatures that you're getting value when they come in or when they die. That's what makes claim fame really strong. So I think that's, uh, that's what this deck would be. And maybe I'll try to work on a list or something like that and, and you know, kick this around a little bit. But if not, uh, you know, for, for the GP, going back to what I was saying, I think probably the most likely idea is that I just take Kessel Run. That feels like feels like the deck. I really enjoyed playing it. It's in my style. Um, it's a cool deck. It'd be more fun to come up with something new. And and, you know, what's interesting about playing something like that is, like, you know, you're going to be playing like a wall of omens on turn two and you're gonna be playing like a resto angel on or on turn four or something and your opponent is gonna think that they know what you're doing and then you're gonna just like sahili them or something or you're gonna kiki jiki them and like i think you know lulling your opponent into a false sense of security with a deck that looks like a you know fairly meta deck that they've tested against they'll fall into a certain play pattern and then you can like shake things up by you know having some unknown combo element whereas if you just started on like turn one island zephyr sprite your opponent is going to be like okay i don't know what's going on here and they're gonna be on their toes you know and then they kill your zephyr sprite you just like slump yeah well (laughs) (laughs) so okay so going back now to my initial conversation because honestly like you know guys we have maybe five ten minutes left of the show um so any anybody by the way if you any other ideas you have you know leave them in the chat here or tweet at me so i so i know but uh my initial idea that i kind of had which was this this gargadon tide hollow scholar sahili deck I kind of want to go back to that. I actually bought the cards on Moto, and when I was learning how to play Moto, whatever, like two months ago, when I kept promising I was going to stream, I still am going to stream, guys, I promise you. I had to move. It's a whole disaster. It, it's going to happen. I, I literally bought a computer for this, so it's still going to happen. But I, I was playing a version of this deck on Moto. I actually learned how to play it a little bit, and I own the Gargonons, and I like own all the cards for this. This is Healy's. I bought them all. Even Tezzeret's. Um, See, Healy seems like a card that you would just own. Yeah, well, I have in real life. I have four of them also, <laughs> and a foil. I bought a foil when those, like, back when I had this idea, because I still believe, like, I think specking Sahili, by the way, right now, like, I have a strong feeling. I think you can get Sahili for, like, four or five dollars. Yeah. Foils went up since I did this. I think I bought my foil for, like, nine, and I think the foils are, like, 25 now. Yeah, right after Cat got banned, she was, like, totally in the toilet. It would have like been smart. To, for a non-foil. It would have been smart to pick up, like, a hundred foils at, like, you know, nine bucks or whatever and nine hundred dollars on that but I, that, I think that card is just one of those cards that like they can print so many things that will make sahili busted i feel like it's just something to keep your eyes open for but anyway back to the deck i just need to try to figure out am i missing something really good that costs two or less that i can curve sahili into on turn three that's going to make this deck disruptive enough that i can get where i want to get 
And I don't know. Like, I, I think this is another deck where two mana creatures, that would be strong. Like, it, it's, you know, Tidehill of Scholar, obviously. Any, any two mana creatures that I can think of that are, like, super cool, that have an effect, then I could work in Claim Fame to the same deck. I could play my Tidehill of Scholar on turn two, sack it to Gargadon, trigger on the stack, turn three, claim it, sack it again, just like, oh, all the value. All the value in the world. There's a, there's a commenter uh, asking about Ad Nauseam. So I think Ad Nauseam is strong against a lot of the decks because it is faster than a lot of the combo decks right now. And, you know, it's pretty yeah. resilient to control and it's, like, pretty resilient to something like Spirits. I think the one big problem that Ad Nauseam has is that it gets, like, totally wrecked by humans. Sure. Because it doesn't have enough interaction to take out their Kite Cell Freebooters and Meddling Mages and... Uh, and Thalia's and like all three of those cards, there's just like 12 copies of cards in their deck that just like totally stop you from doing anything. <laughs> and you just don't have enough like, you know, interactive elements to stop that. And you can board into some interactive elements, but that doesn't work that well. You can board into like Grave Titan and try and ramp it out with Pentad Prism or something, right, right. which is all fine. But at the end of the day, I think humans is just going to be such a rough matchup and it's just too big a part of the meta for Ad Nauseam to be good right now. It's That's fair. my take. It's fair. <laughs> so guys, I think that's going to pretty much wrap up our uh, state of modern GP Portland preview. I want to thank Michael for coming on the episode, for helping me out, hanging out, talking modern. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course, man. It's always good to have you. Alex will be back next week. We've got a couple really cool episodes in the can coming up. Um, we talked a little bit about the Facebook group and the Patreon guys. Please subscribe to the YouTube. Uh, we appreciate all of the support. If you are a movie person, check out a brand new show that I just launched. It's called The Action Guys. It's over on Collider, um, you know, Collider Podcast Network. It's also on the Podcast One feed for Collider Movie Talk. We do kind of a whole variety of different subjects on that show. Uh, hitting, hitting the airwaves tomorrow will be our episode about sports movies versus action movies why winning is more important than surviving. Um, and uh, it's a fun conversation. You know, it's in reference to sports movie speeches and, and it's a good episode. Go check it out. If you're a movie person, I promise you, you'll probably ha have a few laughs there. But uh, otherwise, you can find me personally at Ben Baby Media. You can follow the podcast at the MM Cast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter. Tweet at us. Uh, Michael, one more time, where can the folks find you? Uh, I'm also on Twitter at D-U-D-A-R-D-D, -D -D, uh, but I'm more active on the Masters of Modern Facebook group. Uh, you can find me there. Uh, my name is Michael Grothy. I'm, I'm there. I comment every once in a while, but I, I'm usually paying attention to what's going on in there. Excellent. Uh, Eric Frederick says, Jerry B. That is correct. That's part of the show. We do Gerard Butler impressions. It's a lot of fun. Uh, all right, guys. Thank you so much. We'll be back same time, same place next week. Have a good one, everybody. Thank you for your attention. For further inquiries, send an email to the MMCast at rocketjump.com. See you later, alligator.